Welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We have made it to our final Women's World Cup group preview. We end things, last but not least, with Group H. So this is the group of Germany, Morocco, Colombia and South Korea. And this one is fun. This could be a real chaotic group. So we're very excited to talk about Group H before we begin, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, Angela Christian-Wilkes, Anna Harrington, and ESPN's own Anwar Amrani. So, Anwar, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. We're really excited to talk to you about this Morocco team because I think it's one of the stories of this World Cup, Morocco's presence here. So I'd love your takes and opinions on just how important and how exciting this tournament is for Morocco because it's a really big historic moment for the country in the Women's World Cup kind of situation. Definitely. And I think we saw it last year when uh, they hosted the African Cup of Nations in, uh, in Morocco. We had like 45,000 fans in attendance. It's the biggest uh, match in Africa with regards to attendance. And uh, you see a lot of uh, girls, women playing more football in Morocco. I remember uh, 10, 12 years, maybe more, 5, 15 years ago, I didn't even know when the Moroccan team was playing the women's team. They were playing like, you know, two qualifying games, get eliminated, and they will see them another four, five years, you know, for another qualifiers and that was it you know it all changed so rapidly uh, in the last I think four or five years uh, with the new president uh, with the new coach uh, not just the first team but also the youth teams and uh, it's a great development for Moroccan football you know not just the women we saw the men's uh, team in Qatar uh, reaching the semifinals so Moroccan football is on the rise. Amar I'm curious what's the response been like in Morocco because we saw how much people rode the men's team last year when they went on that incredible run at the men's world cup first women's world cup this team you know runner up at um at a women's afcon as well what's been the response are people getting behind this team are people paying attention or is it sort of like oh no they're they're playing like is it a source of excitement uh, definitely and I, I see a lot of uh, billboards in the, in the city you know I was last year in uh in Tanger visiting my family and I saw a lot of billboards with the Moroccan women's national team you know it was unthinkable years ago to see those kind of billboards and uh, uh, the same with now I saw them playing friendly uh, this week against uh, uh, Switzerland the stadium was full they were playing in Switzerland it was full with Moroccan fans who live there you know in the area drive to Switzerland to see the Moroccan women's national team you know I compare the Moroccan uh, vibe right now with the Brazilian vibe. Wherever Brazil plays, the fans come to see them. And with Morocco, the same. Because, you know, I was born, I'm born in the Netherlands. And I have Moroccan roots. If Morocco plays here, I go visit them. And it's the same with with the women's team. You know, see a lot of fans coming by. And just, just not just with the, the first women's national team. I saw them, uh, the under-70 team play a couple of months ago in a full stadium. And I was like, whoa. It's just, it's the under-17 squad, not the, even the first team. So it's a good development and I think uh, good for women's football, also Africa in general. You mentioned that, Anwar, that you were, you were born overseas. Can you explain for our listeners 
I guess the the diaspora of this Moroccan team, it seems like there are quite a few, particularly the bigger name players who were born elsewhere, but they have Moroccan heritage and they've they've declared themselves to represent Morocco. Can you kind of summarise what that kind of journey is for the squad? Well, that's that's uh, this has been an issue in the past, but uh, not right because you got players born in the Netherlands, you know, who used to maybe four three three, whatever. You got players born in France with a different football culture. You got uh, players born in uh, Germany. So the national team of Morocco is actually a blend of different football cultures. It's uh, rather than you have one uh, football culture where all the players are born. It's a blend of different football culture, and uh, it's always a difficult task for the for the coach uh, to 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 make it a team, because not only of different football culture, but also different language. A lot of players who are born in the Netherlands don't speak Arabic, don't speak French, but still the the the, the language of, of football is all the same all over the world. So they understand each other. But uh, in the past, you had uh, if I take a look at the men's squad, you had groups. You had the guys who came from the from Netherlands all together during practice. You got the, the French players. You got the, the players who were born in Morocco all together. But with this women's team, I see a mix and I see a great uh, vibe. I see a great familiar family vibe. And, and even though they're all born in different countries, it's one nation. And you see, uh, you're going to see it uh, during the World Cup, how great of a unity it is. I was hoping maybe you could outline a little bit for listeners the recent investment made into the women's game in Morocco. Um, to the best of my understanding, that's really been spearheaded by the president of the federation, Fouzi Lecture. I hope I said that correctly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm interested to know if that's been a very visible thing. You said there's been billboards, but is there an understanding of where that kind of momentum is building from and if it is coming from that investment side of things or maybe something else? Well, the first thing what he did, the president, was, uh, you know, get the African Cup of Nations to Morocco as a host. Because if you get the tournament as a host, you get more fans. And uh, secondly, in 2021, he hired uh, Reinald Pedros as uh, head coach, you know, a big name, who won the Champions League with uh, with Lyon. So you get a big name as a coach and you get uh, the tournament. Uh, fans and even media and journalists started looking well. They're taking this seriously. You know, we got to take a look at this women's uh, national team. So uh, Fauzi Laksha said, you know, we're going to focus not on only on the men's first team, not only on the Olympic men's team, but also on the women's team and also under the se- on the 17 team. So uh, the, the under 17 team last year uh, played at the World Cup first time ever, you know, even though they finished third behind Brazil and USA. But it was a major accomplishment for them as well. So you had the AFCON in Morocco and you had the under 17 team playing at the World Cup and now the first team as well. So Fauzi Laksha, you know, he made it important. He, he said uh, during his, you know, first couple of months there, he said, we're not going to focus only on the men's first team. We're going to focus on the youth, on the women's youth, on the, on the first team of the women's squad. squad. And, and you see it now, you know, first time at the World Cup. And uh, I think a lot more is possible with this team. Just curious, Amor, because we're going to have people here who don't know this this squad very well. They might have seen a, a Rosella Ayani, who's at Tottenham, is maybe a name they might be familiar with. But who are the players that we should be looking out for from Morocco at this World Cup? Well, you got a lot of players playing in Rabat for Farabat, who won the Champions League last year in Africa. Uh, Captain Rizlenshbek, uh, for me, uh, 
you know, great. I, I compare it with uh, Megan Rapinoe uh, with regards to leadership and, uh, you know, not the fastest player uh, on the field, but knows where to stand on the right places, you know, uh, set pieces, great in set pieces. Uh, but my favorite is uh, Fatima Tarnout, uh, also player in Rabat, 24 years young. And it surprises me she still plays in Morocco. I think she can make a, a transfer after this World Cup. A great winger. Uh, you know, she has to look, uh, the look, the, the, the positive vibe, the smile on her face every time she, she does a great uh, trick on the field. You know, uh, can score a goal, uh, was named the best player of the tournament. Uh, Fatima Tarnout for me is, is a player... Even you, I don't know if you've seen her already. Look her up on YouTube, you know. Uh, look her up on the highlights. Uh, great player. And uh, also the goalkeeper for me. Very good at uh, penalty kicks uh, during the Africa Cup of Nations in the semifinals. But uh, for me, Fatima Tarnout is going to be a surprise a lot of fans uh, uh, worldwide. You mentioned Rabat there. Can you explain what the situation is domestically for women's football? Is there a, a sort of a first-tier competition for women to play in? Is it semi-professional? Is it amateur? What's the state of women's football in Morocco? It's semi-pro, uh, not professional yet. Hopefully uh, it will come uh, in the future, but not a lot of countries have full professional leagues yet. Hope that will change very soon. Um but they have uh, they had a league for many years, but it was like you know ten, twelve teams, not many teams. But since uh, three years, they have uh, first league, uh, second uh, division, and also regional divisions. So uh, for, for them, uh, for the third tier, it's regional because you know they don't have a lot of money to travel all across Morocco to play each other. But the first and the second league is broadcasted by Moroccan television, so. That's great, even also for exposure to see those uh, kind of girls, you know, play uh, in local competition. Even though the, the the level isn't that high, because you know Farabat is the best team. If if you look at the team of Morocco, a lot of girls play from from Farabat. So, but uh, the league is okay. A lot of things still have to change. Be more professional, you know. Get more sponsorship deals. Uh, Make even get players from abroad, maybe that's my opinion, to make uh, to 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 level up to also for the local players to see. Oh, okay, you know we have to uh, train harder, go push harder. But I know for them because they have to play football and have a second job. Otherwise, the income is going to be high enough. So uh, understandable as well. You are very confident off air, Anwar. So it's obviously a super competitive group. You look at it and you go. Germany should top this group, but you've got Morocco, you've got South Korea, you've got Colombia. It looks like a really tough group to me. So what are the expectations? Can Morocco get out of this group? Where can they finish in this group? I think they can go out of this group second behind Germany. Uh, I had that confidence last year before the Qatar World Cup and all my ESPN colleagues were laughing at me and said, oh, Morocco with the Belgium, Croatia. You'll be happy if you finish third, uh, maybe. And I said, no, 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 just wait and see. Quarterfinals. And they always started laughing. And after the quarterfinals, uh, you know, I sent them all an email. and said, who's, who's, who's right now? And I think it's going to be the same with this tournament. Uh, I think Morocco, you know, Germany, they're the best in the group. We have to say it like that. But they can finish second. And I think uh, they can go as far as they can go. 
because uh, what I've seen Reinald Pedros has done be, uh, in preparation of this tournament is making a more defensive kind of uh, tactic rather than what he did at the FCON. He played 0-0 against Italy, 0-0 against uh, Switzerland. You know, up front, a lot of work to do, but hey, if you can uh, if you can create one chance and score one goal and win 1-0, why not? You know, the, the men's team has done it at the World Men's World Cup. Why not at the Women's World Cup? So I think they can finish second behind uh, Germany. No, I don't want to disrespect, disrespect uh, Colombia or South Korea, but uh, I think Morocco is better. I love the confidence. <laughs> what do you make of the group? I'm actually curious, because uh, I, I looked at it and I went, that's quite group of deathish. Like there are four very good teams in this group and somewhat like two teams are going to feel pretty hard done by that they've ended up in this group and miss out. Have you, have you had a bit of a look at, at those different teams at South Korea and Colombia in particular, I guess? It's a very diverse group with regards of how they play, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned, Germany, Germany, whatever, they, they will finish first, whatever the, the results. But Colombia and South Korea way different style of football you know this it's going to uh, it's going to be difficult to play against them so uh, but i see i see chances for morocco you know i i don't know what to expect colombia i've seen them play but south korea not really so i don't know what i can expect from them but it's going to be fun fun group i think i think angela's just typing out a, there we go questions <laughs> i'll ask it on behalf of angela what is the vibe or identity of Moroccan football fans? That's actually a really good question because I, I was in Qatar last year for the Men's World Cup and the the fans from Morocco were extraordinary. They were some of the biggest and loudest and most excited of all the fan groups who travelled to Qatar for the tournament. And obviously Qatar, you know, the Men's World Cup being the first that was held in that part of the world, probably helped in that regard. So how would you define the identity of Moroccan football fans? Passionate, I think. Passionate, that's the right word for it. And uh, I don't know how many fans are going to be in Australia and New Zealand because, you know, the the travel, it's not very cheap to go there. But I know the Moroccan Federation, what they did uh, during the Qatar World Cup, they arranged charters uh, for fans. You know, they didn't pay much to travel to Qatar. I don't know if they, they have these same plans for, for the Women's World Cup. I don't think they will do it because it's still expensive to travel from Morocco to uh, Australia. But I hope all the Moroccans that live in Australia and New Zealand are going to visit the, the games and going to be as loud as uh, the, uh, the fans were in Qatar, as loud as the, as the fans were in France uh, when Morocco played there, in Switzerland uh, during the preparation. So if they show their passion, uh, the women's team can use that energy uh, in the matches against Germany, Colombia and South Korea. I've had sort of a, a bigger question about the shifting tides in African women's football. We saw at the recent WAFCON that South Africa won the title. Nigeria seemed to be slipping away. We've seen in recent weeks that there's quite a lot of controversy consuming the Nigerian women's team who are typically the, the powerhouse of Africa. We're seeing the rise of Morocco. We're seeing Zambia at this Women's World Cup. How do you sort of assess uh, the, the shifting sort of momentum in African women's football? Are there more nations starting to really come to the table in terms of investing in the women's game and seeing that there is so much more work to do? I think so. I think so. But uh, the thing with Africa is you have a lot of different 
football cultures uh, on a continent uh, because you know, the North African way of football is way different than and, and also how they handle the business uh, in those countries. You know, uh, in Morocco, it's been more professional, you know, South Africa as well. Nigeria has always been, you know, always been kind of issues, whatever, in Cameroon, uh, uh, what country, Ivory Coast, all those countries, you know, they have a lot of issues internally with the team, uh, with facilities. Uh, those kind of things has, has to change in Africa to make it, uh, to make, to, to make it bigger, uh, to make women's soccer football bigger in, on the continent. Um, I'm curious, just to follow up when you talked about the diaspora before, has there been a really active targeting, like sort of recruitment with the the Moroccan FA in terms of we saw a lot of players obviously at the the Men's World Cup last year who would have been, say, eligible for France or Spain and have changed to come across when they were looking at how do we get, you know, really maximise the women's program? Was that a key focus? How do we target the diaspora? How do we get, um, say, Moroccan-born or the kids of Moroccan parents to, to play for Morocco? Was that a, a big focus leading into this World Cup qualification? Definitely, because they had uh, they already have scouts uh, in Belgium, uh, Netherlands, France, Spain, uh, who look just at youth players, but also first men's players. And they gave them uh, the task to also look at women's players. You know, well, uh, go to the Dutch league, you know, get a lot of uh, girls playing there. Uh, go to the youth leagues in France and see, you know, if there are any talents uh, who are eligible to play for Morocco. Uh, because Ayan, uh, for instance, she played for the English under 20, I think, under 19 squad before she event- eventually chose to play for uh, Morocco after a, a good talk with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the coach. So they have a, definitely a program of scouting uh, men and women in, uh, in Europe but not just only in Europe. They went also to the to the states and, and looked at the NSWL uh, league, where a lot of Moroccans also play also play college uh, football. So uh, there's definitely a plan from the federation to scout women and men who also have a Moroccan passport or are eligible to get a Moroccan passport and eventually play for the national team. And what is the situation for the youth women's national teams? Do you look sort of further down the pyramid and see a sort of a rising generation of girls who are coming up because of this sort of longer term investment in the game? And, and where do you see the future of Moroccan women's football going? It's still young the, with, because, uh, as I mentioned, the under-17 team qualified for the World Cup last year in India. Uh, you know, it's still a lot of things need to happen because now what they do is focus mainly on the women's first national team to get the youth uh, more attached at the women at, at football. But there are a lot of things need to happen in, uh, in the federation as well to get an evil, even on the 15 team or on the 20 team, because now it's just under 17 and uh, the first team. So there's still a, a big gap between those uh, two age groups. So a lot of things need to happen uh, to make it more accessible and more uh, to get more U players rise and reach to the level of the first national team. I was just going to ask how the Moroccan team feel about being based out of Werribee, but that's probably quite a specific and situated context. To out speak in the to. suburbs. <laughs> yeah. 
the suburbs of Melbourne. Elton John went there once, apparently. He landed in his helicopter. Oh, there you go. He... <laughs> Sorry, it's not a very good question. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm trying to okay. think what the equivalent suburb would be. Like, I, I don't think you yeah, can explain so it. The Werribee of the Netherlands or the Werribee of Morocco. I'm, try, I'm trying to see if there's a link between Elton John and Morocco, but I, I can't <laughs> I can't imagine there would be a very strong one. But if we, if we have no other questions about Morocco, I want to oh. really – Oh, go for it. Sorry. I have one more before the big question was how far can Morocco go? Because you said they can get out of the group. How far can they go? You you put your reputation on the line with the men okay. and said quarterfinals. How far can the women go? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. If they go through this group, they're going to face either France or Brazil. Is that correct? I think so. That sounds right to me. They can, they can beat them both. The quarterfinals? Quarterfinals, Morocco quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, we'll hold you to it. Definitely. <laughs> I love it. The confidence is absolutely perfect. <laughs> I wanted to ask a really cheeky, quick question. You are from the Netherlands. You were born in the Netherlands. So I wanted to really quickly ask just about the Netherlands team because obviously they were uh, finalists in 2019. We all know there's no Vivian Miedemar. So what are your kind of expectations for the Netherlands team for this World Cup? Just really quickly. I think they can go far because there are a lot of, uh, besides Midema, because they also didn't call up Kalma as uh, we were supposed to be the second striker of the team who were the top scorer in the Netherlands. But uh, I think uh, they're going to play different kind of football of what we used to from the Netherlands men's team and also the women's team, you know, but it's going to be fun and they can, I think they could go really far. Because they still have a lot of great names. Martins, uh, Gerard, uh, Van der Donk, uh, Aguirola, you know, can go on and on. So it's still a good team. It's just not, it's, it's, they still miss uh, Midema uh, as a striker. But hey, the Dutch are the Dutch and they can go very far. And our last question for you, who do you think is going to win the World Cup overall? I can't say Morocco, right? Well, you've already said they're going to go out at the quarterfinals. <laughs> oh, yeah. They can't do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, We've yeah, them yeah, out okay. already. Yeah. Now, I said they can reach the quarterfinals. But, nah, nah. I think uh, I think US. US will take it, definitely. You're not the first person to say that. Oh. Thank you so much for jumping on today. Where can people find your work if they want to read and listen to what you do? ESPN Netherlands, ESPN.nl. You find it all. Excellent. We love it. You can find this podcast on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. We've got so many World Cup previews that you can go listen to. We've covered every single group, so go check them out. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.